Well, hey, good morning, uh, FBC, and welcome in. My name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm just so glad that you're with us, especially if you are new. This is a great day to be here because we're kicking off this new sermon series that we've called Go Where You Are. And before we uh, jump into that, let me say a short prayer for us. Father, we love you, and we thank you for the gift of uh, time with you in worship. Thank you that we can sing to you and pray to you, and now uh, open up your word. We pray that you would uh, speak to us. Would you teach us? Would you guide us? Would you bless this time together? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you have ever been on a missions trip, you know that something about it feels different. Right? It's not just like everyday life, because on a missions trip with your church, right, you go somewhere, you're in a new environment, you have a, a specific purpose, where maybe you've gone to build homes uh, somewhere where they are needed, or maybe you're running some sort of VBS program for kids, or some sort of local outreach seeking to share the gospel. And when you go on a missions trip, uh, you know that it's a special season where God is working. Uh, take a second and share with us in the chat, if you're, uh, again, following along, uh, share in the chat a mission trip that you've been on. What did you do? Where did you go? Uh, you can just do that real quick while I'm talking here briefly. It'd be great to hear about some of your experiences. Uh, Amber and I have been on a couple different mission trips. We've been to uh, Italy and did some uh, outreach there with kids and youth sports camps, uh, with English camps. We've done... Uh, a trip to Guatemala where we worked with uh, building projects and some different educational things in areas of need there. And so we'd love to hear from you again down in the chat box. Uh, but being on a mission trip, it just feels different, right? You, there's every, uh, every moment feels like a potential God moment, right? Or you're like, what is God going to do here? Or what stories are, gonna, are we going to be able to, to bring back with us about how God moved? You're, you're starting every day open and looking for opportunities for how God is going to work, something he's going to teach you, a new way he's going to use you. Right? I remember uh, back in college, I spent a summer uh, doing some inner city missions work where we uh, spent the summer in uh, inner city Oakland. We moved into like a low-income apartment complex and worked with some youth in the area and learned about just some of the, the concerns and challenges to life in the inner city. But I remember when we were getting started, okay, we, we just moved into our apartment for the summer, this team of, again, about 12 college students, and we were kind of getting to know our neighborhood, looking out the windows, seeing the lay of the land, and we looked down on the street, and there was this young boy playing outside. He was playing on the street, kind of occupying himself, and he looked up, and he started interacting with us. We're a couple floors up, and he sees these new people looking out the window, and we kind of start interacting and kind of being silly with each other back and forth. And our team said, hey, what if we like, go down and, and meet him and, and say hi? Right? This is kind of like a God moment. Something's happening here. Maybe this will lead to, I don't know, we'll build a relationship in our neighborhood or meet his family or who knows what God will do with that. We'll just uh, get to know some people in our neighborhood. And so people went down on the street, and started, you know, engaging with him. And it was a really cool little moment. Now, I'm reflecting back on that story and realizing, like, that only happened because we were in a mindset of being on a mission trip, right? If that would have been, like, normal everyday life, and we're just sitting in our house, and we're looking out our window, and we see some kid playing on the street, we probably wouldn't 
think twice about it. We, we wouldn't think, oh, here's an amazing opportunity. Maybe God's going to do something with this, right? We would just go, oh, I'm, I'm busy. I got other stuff to do. I got my job or work or with my kids or whatever. I'm not, not going to pay attention to that and see that as an opportunity. But because we were on a missions trip, we were thinking differently. We were praying differently. We were open in a, in a different way to what God wanted to do. And so, as we've been thinking about uh, 2021, our staff and leadership here at the church said, I think what we really need is to help our church think like missionaries. And so what better way to do that than to go on a missions trip? And so, that's right, what we're going to do here in the next few months is we are going to take a missions trip together as a church, the whole church, okay? We want everybody to sign up for this. We want everybody to come along. So that includes you, all right? All of us are going. Now, that might be making some of you nervous, right? A mission trip. I haven't been on a mission trip. What are we going to do? Are we going door to door knocking on stuff? I'm not sure about that. Or maybe some of you are excited about the prospect of a mission trip, right? You're like, I want to go and learn about a new culture and engage in a new way and meet new people and eat new food and see what uh, fun and exciting stories we're going to come back with. Awesome. Or some of you are like, this is really short notice. What do you mean? Like the whole church is going on a mission trip now? Like, yes. And the reality is we're going to start this week. Okay, this week we are going on this trip and it's going to take the next five months or so. Okay, so you might be wondering about some of the logistics. Like, what do you mean we're all going on a mission trip for, for five Months, that's, that's a lot of people. How are we going to arrange that? Don't worry, lodging is already taken care of. Okay, lodging is already taken care of. And the food is already taken care of. Maybe you're saying, gone for five months, that's a bit intimidating. I mean, I have, I have a job, I have a family. How are we going to do that? Don't worry, everyone's coming along. So you might be asking, okay, where are we going, Pastor? Where's the area of need? Where are we off to on this exciting missions trip? Well, friends, we are taking a church-wide missions trip to Benicia and Vallejo and the Bay Area. Uh-huh. We are taking a church-wide missions trip to here. Now, maybe some of you already saw that that was coming. Because we are launching this sermon series, this initiative called Go Where You Are where we want to share this vision for the first half of 2021 and what God has for us. And hey, we have these four core commitments as a church that we regularly talk about, right? Worship, connect, grow, and then go. We're to to go out and engage the needs of our world with the gospel and the love of Jesus. And so we're trying to think together, what would it look like to believe and to live out the fact that we are called to go where we already are. Okay, not talking about out there overseas. We're talking about here. See, when we think about the call to go and and missions or being a missionary, uh, we think about passages in the Bible like Matthew 28, the Great Commission, where Jesus tells his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Or maybe we think of passages like John chapter 20, 
where Jesus, after his resurrection, uh, comes to his disciples and says, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Right, so we see in these passages, Jesus is saying to his followers, Go. I'm calling you to go. I am sending you out. Well, where? To the whole world, right? All nations, that all people everywhere would come to know Jesus and love Jesus and find salvation and life in Jesus. And so we certainly see that this includes all nations. This includes overseas missions. This includes to the very ends of the earth. No argument with that. But sometimes we overlook what's right in front of us. Sometimes we jump to apply this to out there and far off lands and we don't apply it to here. We think that's for overseas, but it's not for down the street. But what if God was calling us to live on mission here, where you already are? I want you to look with me now at the book of Acts chapter 17, where we can uh, fill out this picture a little bit more. See, the book of Acts is telling the story of the early church and how those first followers of Jesus shared the gospel and this Jesus movement exploded across the ancient world as people came to faith and had their sins forgiven and experienced the love and grace of God as the early church shared this message. And in Acts chapter 17, we see this moment where the gospel is being shared in a countercultural context. Okay, the Apostle Paul is in Athens, this center of, of culture and philosophy in the ancient world. And Paul there is reasoning with people, trying to explain to them who Jesus is and what that means for them. He gives this famous speech we can read about in Acts chapter 17, starting here in verse 24. He says, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. We could spend a long time talking about Acts chapter 17 and all the, the good things, the rich theology that we see here. Really, this is a textbook example of how to share Jesus in a cross-cultural context. Right? He starts a little bit earlier in verse 22 by building some common ground with his audience, saying, hey, I see that you are very religious. I see that you have all these altars and worship all these different gods. So this clearly uh, worship and spiritual things are important to you. But then he goes on to say, let me introduce you to a God that you might not know about just yet. The God who made the world and everything in it. And he goes on then to, to talk about uh, Jesus and the resurrection and calls people to repentance and speaks of coming judgment. Uh, and there's so much we could say here, but I want to hone in on verse 26. Because it's especially relevant for what we're talking about this morning. Look again at verse 26. He says, from one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. So think about this with me. What is this text saying? 
It's saying from one man, God made all the nations inhabiting and filling the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their land. So God, in his sovereignty, has determined when in history and where people will live. Their time in history, the boundaries of their land or their dwelling place. And so if we could uh, put this simply, where you live, according to this, is not an accident. Okay, you do not live where you live by accident. So think about your apartment or uh, the house that you're in or the townhouse uh, or the room that you rent, whatever your, your living situation might be, it's not just a result or a matter of your circumstances. Okay, and so if you were to ask the question, well, why do I live where I live? We can think about a lot of surface level answers to that question. Well, based on my income and uh, kind of the stage of life I'm in and how big my family is and think about a convenient location for my commute or I want to be close to my family or I want to be far away from my family or whatever it might be. There's all kinds of reasons that go into why we live where we live. But this text is saying that those things, okay, are true, but behind the scenes in an even deeper way in the sovereignty of God, God is determining and orchestrating the places that we call home. God has determined when we would live and where we would live. So, God looks at the Scrabeck family, for example, and he said, Matt and Amber and Zoe and Shepard, I'm going to place them in Benicia, California. And I'm going to do so starting in 2017 and going on, hopefully, for a good long time. Okay? And for you, friends, if you're listening to this, God has placed you. He looked at 2021 and said, Benicia, California, or, or Vallejo, or uh, the Bay Area, or wh- wherever it is you might be tuning in. God looked at that place and looked at you and said, I'm going to place them there for this special time. So Benicia, California, I want uh, the Shaw family, and I want the, the Wendells, and I want the Youngs, and I want the, the Wolkies, I want Darren, I want Magda, I want the Caliscos, I want Leanne Glassell, I want, and I could go more and more and just talk about our whole church, or I could list every, every name that we have here. He said, I want them here for this season. Think about that. God could have put anyone else here in the Bay Area in 2021, in this historical moment. Could have put anyone here, and yet he chose to place you here. There's a reason for that. The verse goes on in verse uh, 27 to explain why God has done this. It says, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. So why did God determine when and where people would live? Why did he place us here? It says God did this so that people would would seek him, so that people would reach out for him and ultimately find him. Okay, the verb that's used here in the text to explain uh, what someone, you know, seeking out or, or reaching out for him, it has the idea, not of certainty, it's possibility, and it has the idea of a feeling around in the dark. 
a sense of need, but maybe not seeing clearly the solution to someone's need or, or problem. And so it's saying people might be reaching out in hopes that they would find God, and they've been so situated, naturally then we would uh, think that God has placed his people, his church nearby in order to help people connect the dots. So God has determined when people would live and where people would live so that they would reach out and find him, meaning that there are Christians placed geographically, strategically, so that people would come to faith. Again, this again shows us God's heart for the world. That that, that people are disconnected from God, have have turned from him, have uh, uh, fallen into sin, and therefore under judgment, And so Jesus comes, and this is the gospel that we celebrate, right? Jesus came to die for our sins, to take our place on the cross so that our sins would be forgiven, so that we'd be reconciled to God. So God's heart is moving towards lost and broken people like you and me with this invitation to, to come home, to receive forgiveness, to receive eternal life in Jesus. And so we as followers of Jesus, have been strategically placed geographically so that people would respond, that we could be the ambassadors with this message of reconciliation. Verse 27, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. And so friends, we simply need to see that that we do not live here just for our own sake. Right? We don't live in the Bay Area uh, just because, well, the weather's great and Lake Tahoe's not too far away and the beach isn't too far away and there's all these amenities nearby or our family lives close by. Uh, maybe those are factors. But in, in a deeper way, God has placed us here so that people would find him, so that we could be representatives, witnesses of Jesus here. And so like we said earlier, your, your mentality changes when you're on a missions trip. Things feel different. You, you act differently. You pray differently. There's a different level of intentionality. You wake up each day saying, God has brought me here for a reason. Right? There are going to be opportunities. Maybe there are going to be doors open to me this day where I could share about Jesus, where I can love my neighbor, where I can make an impact in this world. And so what if we all as a church went on this missions trip to Benicia and Vallejo and the Bay Area this year. And so we are here with an intentionality and a purpose. And we can think like missionaries. Friends, because God has sent us here. Now, this is true wherever you live. Okay, so I could preach this sermon uh, in you know, Botswana and it would be True, or in Kansas, or Florida, or whatever. But this is especially true in an exciting way here in the Bay Area. Why? Well, it's no secret that the Bay Area is a mission field. Right? Surveys and studies consistently show that the Bay Area is the least reached region of the country. As people look at the, uh, the least churched Uh, the least Christian cities in the country, the San Francisco Bay Area is top of the list. So yes, there's need everywhere, and 
there is the need for Christians everywhere, but especially here in the Bay Area. God says this is the place with the smallest percentage of Christians in the whole country, the, the place with the greatest need for followers of Jesus to be faithful and present there. And so I'm going to send in my people. So friends, if you live in the Bay Area right now and you are following Jesus, God has called you to be part of this work. We're on the front lines. And so let, let's talk a little bit about the fact that that's a challenge, right? That's difficult. And let's be honest, some people uh, are leaving California. Many people are leaving California because of, of the politics or the economic practices or uh, people are uh, disagreeing with the role of the government and what that looks like here or Governor Newsom or uh, don't like how progressive it could be here. I've talked with people who have left over this or who want to leave over this. Uh, we have friends in, in Colorado that we talk to that are like, we would never want to live in California. Like, we do not want to go there. And here's all these reasons why. And they make all kinds of jokes about us and uh, how it's you know, awful out here and all of that. And, and here's the deal. I can understand some of those concerns. Okay, uh, I, I share some of those concerns with uh, California and, and living here. But here's the deal. If, if that's you... And you want to leave to the point of you're like, I'm out of here. I want to go somewhere where it's easy to live. Then you, you probably should just go. Okay, you probably should leave. Because what we need here is people who love California. People who are for California. Who are uh, for the Bay Area. People who love Benicia. Who say, you know what? Yes, it can be hard to be a Christian here. And sure, it's uncomfortable at times, right? I don't feel at home at times, or it's frustrating at times because I, don't disagree, because I don't agree with this or that, but I don't see those as reasons to leave. In fact, those are reasons I'm here. It's because of that friction, because there needs to be more of a Christian presence here. That's why I'm here. And so, sure, I, I could go and live somewhere else. But, but people need Jesus here. So who is going to show and tell the gospel here if we leave? So friends, we, we need people. We need to be a people with a heart for our city, who love our city, who don't just, just grumble about our, our disagreements with politics or whatever, but say we are here for the good of Benicia and the Bay Area. And so friends, that's where we need to lean into our calling to go where you are. And so I, I want to shift gears here and talk a little bit more practically about how we can go about doing this. Okay, because we have uh, developed a simple tool here at FBC to help us accomplish this task. And I want to share with you this one action step that we are inviting everyone in our church to take. And the tool that I'm talking about, uh, maybe you've heard about it, already is this simple your four card. This your four card, uh, this your four magnet actually. This one is a magnet. We also have just postcards, but it's magnetic so you can stick it on your fridge or so on. Uh, as you can see, it has places for you to write down the names of four individuals or families uh, locally here that you can pray for. I'm going to explain this more in just a minute, but again, it can go in your fridge where you're going to see it every day. You can go in your bathroom mirror, uh, or again, it comes in a card. You can just place that in your Bible. And what we're going to do is we're asking everyone in the church to 
fill out uh, one of these cards and get specific this first half of 2021. Get specific about who God has placed in your life for you to love and influence. Okay, because here's what's possible. We could read a passage like Acts chapter 17 and say, wow, okay, God's determined where people would live and when people would live. Uh, great, God's put me here for a purpose. Okay, great, God wants me to love my neighbors. Okay, cool. Hey, pastor, I agree with you. Great idea. But then we don't always do anything with that, right? Or we just kind of leave it there with, with a great idea uh, because we don't get specific. You know, if it's supposed to be everyone, sometimes it's no one. We're supposed to do something for everyone, love everyone, then sometimes it's, it's, it's no one because we're not specific enough about a, a doable action step. Or we say, you know, it's so overwhelming. I'm supposed to just make disciples and love my neighbors and that just applies to everyone. I, I can't do that for everyone. But wasn't it Mother Teresa who said, hey, if you want to feed 100 people, feed one, right? What you want to do for everyone, do for one. Or in our case, for four. So there are people, we're not called to to love and serve everybody because we don't all have relationships or opportunities or capacity to do that with everyone. But we all have people that have been placed in our lives. We all have uh, the opportunity to do that with someone or some four, we would say. And so here's what we're doing, friends. We are this week mailing out to you. You are going to get in your mailbox a your four magnet and a your four postcard, okay? So you could, again, use one or both. Um, the postcard is easier to take with you. The magnet, again, recommend that could just be on your fridge so that everybody sees it. And then what I want to do is, is talk through how to use it. And, and by the way, uh, if we don't have your address, we cannot mail this to you. So if you've been like tuning in, but you've never filled out a connection card or never given your address, or you're not sure if you've given us your address, um, you will not be getting one of these in the mail. Unless you fill out your connection card and leave your address on there and just, just let us know. Again, a lot of you, we already have your address, so you know if you've been here a while, you're going to get one. Um, but if you're like not sure, fill out that card and, and let us know. You can also go on our website and just download one and print it off on your own if there's some sort of hiccup. But okay, here's how you use the card. I want to walk us through this really quick. Simply uh, fill in the four slots with the names of uh, individuals or, or, or families who live nearby, okay, live locally, live here, but do not know Jesus or go to church, okay? Names of four individuals or families who live nearby, but don't go to church and don't know Jesus, okay? And so, uh, for example, this doesn't mean uh, to put like Aunt Susie in Florida, Okay. Hey, Aunt Susie is great. She probably needs prayer out there in Florida, um, but that's not what this card is about. Okay. So pray for her on your own time, but that's not the focus of the card. And this also isn't for your neighbor uh, who, you know, is plugged in at another church and knows Jesus. Uh, it's not, not for him either. Okay. So we're talking about a neighbor, a coworker, a friend, uh, a barista that you see every week, and you don't think they know Jesus. Uh, now, if you don't know for non-Christians locally or for uh, families who are not Christians nearby, then that might be an opportunity for you to say, all right, God, uh, I want to have an influence in this community, but I don't really know any non-Christians. So would you help me meet some or help me see who could be on this card? 
uh, that's where you might have to start. Or maybe you, you know some, you're like, I know that guy at work, or I, know, uh, I don't know the name of that couple that lives down the street, but we interact sometimes. And maybe step one would be just learning their names and having like kind of an awkward conversation, but just saying, hey, uh, we're neighbors, I see you all the time, but I don't think we've ever like learned your name. Or maybe you told me your name once, but I'm so sorry, I, I forgot. What, what was your name again? Oh, great. It's a lot easier to love people when you know their name, right? Kind of a simple place to start. So fill it out with the names. Then what we want you to do is pray every day for these people, okay? Every day we want you to stop and pray. And you can do this uh, as an individual. You can do this uh, as a family. Do this together and pray for these people, right? God does uh, powerful things when we pray, Prayer has got to be central to our our outreach because this isn't just about what we can do in our own wit or our own strength. This is asking God to move in the lives of these people. And so you can pray in a couple ways. The card outlines a few ways to pray. But you can pray, uh, one, that people would come to know Jesus, that that God would show himself to them, that they would clearly see who Jesus is. Their hearts would be transformed. They'd experience salvation in Christ. Uh, But you can also pray uh, just for their everyday needs and circumstances, uh, concerns that maybe you're aware of, maybe you know they're going through a hard season, they uh, have health issues or financial issues or, or relationship strains in their family or, or, or whatever it might be. You can pray for, for all of those things, that they would uh, flourish in all of life. Okay, so lift them up in prayer every day. And a simple uh, reminder to help us do this is we want to encourage you to go on your phone you can go on your phone right now, get out your phone in church, this is allowed, okay, and set an alarm every day for 4 p.m. Okay, it's really simple. You got an iPhone, you just go there, boom, pull up the phone app, and you set an alarm, and then on the alarm, you edit it, and you say repeat, and have it repeat. You can check which days you want it to repeat. Have it repeat every day. You don't have to do Sunday if you don't want to, because we're going to be praying at church for your four, so just Monday through Saturday, 4 p.m., you're going to have an alarm going off. And then think about it. If everyone in our church does this, this means every day at 4 p.m., our whole church is going to stop. And we're going to spend a brief moment in prayer, praying for these people that God has placed in our lives, praying that they would come to know Jesus, praying that they would be blessed uh, in, in every way. So, boom, it's on my phone. I hope you will put this on yours. Again, just a simple tool. And we're just going to have this on there. Leave this on your phone uh, for Uh, the first half of 2021. So we'll talk again in May, June, when this is winding down. But for now, boom, we're going to put this on our phones and encourage you to join us in that way. And then the last thing we want you to do with these cards, again, fill it out, pray every day, and then just look for opportunities to engage with people. Say, hey, uh, look for opportunities to build relationships with them, maybe to have good conversations, to get to know them, to um, invite them to hang out with your family. Uh, it could start slow. Just kind of see what God does with this. Okay, so I just want to be really clear too, just to qualify this. uh, We're not trying to put you in high pressure, kind of like greasy salesman situations. Okay, I want to be really clear up front. The point of this is not to go headhunting and pressure people to become Christians as if that was even possible, right? We can't, even if we wanted to, you can't force anyone to become a Christian. That's not what this is about. So I don't want you to feel like you have to be secretive about this or pull off some kind of you know, bait and switch with people or that we're looking for like hard results and numbers you need to report back to the staff. Um, that's not 
what this is about. Because the results and what, what God does in someone's life, that's not up to us. Right? That's totally out of our hands. Our responsibility is simply to love our neighbors and pray for them and see what God does. So we don't have to manipulate or, or try and be underhanded with anything. And if people like find out, oh, I'm, you're praying for me or I'm on your fridge or what is it? What does that mean? Maybe it's awkward. I don't know. But you can tell people, hey, uh, at the end of the day, uh, God told me to love my neighbor. Like Jesus said, hey, the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God. Second greatest commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. And so I just want to love my neighbors. And it helps to, to know who my neighbors are and to know their names. And so I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray that God would bless you in every way. And let's be honest, whether or not someone becomes a Christian, or, or cares at all about Jesus, we're still called to love them, right? So this isn't about some kind of result, but, but whether or not they become Christians, we say, hey, I'm here to love you. I'm here to pray for you. I'm here to be a blessing in my neighborhood. And so that's what I'm going to do. And friends, we're going to talk about this a little bit more next week, but one of my favorite parts about this step, this initiative, is that it's, it's decentralized, right? Sometimes, uh, especially recently, we, we really centralize church and say, hey, church is all about uh, the building or, or coming to us or, or uh, you know, come and listen to, to Matt or one of the pastors. Or it's, about, it's about the staff, very staff-centric. But, but that's not really what ministry is about, right? We're all ministers of the gospel. God has called all of us to, to go and, and love our neighbors. And so this initiative is simply about mobilizing all of us, right? The people of the church to go and be on mission with God out there on the front line. So the ministry isn't happening, you know, in here necessarily or with just what the staff are doing, but it's what what you all are going to be doing. And that is so exciting to see us all take ownership of that, right? Sometimes we make you feel like, well, uh, the pastors are in the game and we're in the stands or the rest of us are kind of on the sidelines watching, but that's not true. Again, we're all in the game. And so this step hopefully will remind us of that. So this week, by the end of the week, you should get this maybe sooner. Check your mail. Uh, you could go to the website and print off uh, your own if you wanted to print one off. For some reason, you didn't get it. Uh, and then start praying every day. And then let's just see what God does with that. And if you have questions about this or concerns or objections or whatever might come, uh, let us know. Send us an email, fill out your connection card. We'd love to talk with you more uh, about that and what this is going to look like. Um, so over the next few months, again, the, the go where you are initiative approach is more than just the your four card, okay? This is a, a big part of it. It's going to be running all the way throughout, but along the way, there are going to be some other things, uh, other opportunities to engage. For example, uh, every month we're going to have a monthly challenge, okay, where we want to call uh, everybody in the church to take one step of obedience, one step of faith. Again, the first challenge is just fill out the card, okay, so that's January, that's the plan. Uh, But come February, there's going to be the opportunity, the challenge to to write out your testimony. Maybe you've never sat down and explained, here's what God's done in my life. It's important to do that so that you're ready to talk about that or share that with someone else. So the, the monthly challenge for February will be to write out your testimony. We'll, we'll get talking about that more in the weeks ahead. You don't have to worry about that now, but just want to let you know, like every month, there's going to be a simple action step to keep us moving uh, to go where we are. And also there's going to be some learning opportunities along the way. 
where we'll do some growth workshops as we've done in the past, do them on Zoom, some check-ins. Hey, how's the Your Four thing going? Hey, we'll, we'll do some reading together, some conversations about different topics in the months ahead. The first one's going to be January 26th. It's a Tuesday night, so I hope you'll join me on Zoom there as we keep talking about this and the vision behind it. Some more info to come as we get ready to get ready to go. And all right, friends, hey, before we, we head out and jump out into our week and fill out our Your Four cards and get all that going, uh, I want to stop and we need to remember, before we go and do a bunch of stuff, who are we? Because who we are is more foundational than what we do. And who we are uh, is di- defined by the work of Jesus. We are people who belong to Jesus. And so we're going to take communion as an opportunity to remember Jesus and remember the gospel, that we are saved not by our works, not by our effort, but we're saved by the work of Jesus on the cross and his resurrection. And so we have a chance to uh, grab the communion elements. I want to invite you to grab an element representing the body of Jesus and an element representing the blood of Jesus. And in just a moment, we're going to take these elements to remember Jesus' sacrifice for us, to remember that we are forgiven, to remember that we are made new, to remember that we are reconciled to the God who loves us. Would you pray with me? Thank you, Jesus, for your love. We remember you now together as we take communion. We remember your broken body and your shed blood uh, for us. Thank you for dying in our place. Thank you for forgiving us our sins. Thank you for loving us so much. We pray that you'd help us step into this go where you are initiative um, out of a place of fullness, not out of a place of seeking to prove ourselves, but just we already have your love. And so now we can live freely and love people as you've called us to. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, on the night he was betrayed, uh, Jesus took bread and he broke it and said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he he took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Amen.